History and Current Events program from a cultural perspective, we find this program necessary because Hosea 4.6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4.7 states, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. With all that, get and get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832, but we're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the home page, and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also we're at a bb2me.com forward slash time for an awakening that's a b i b i t u m i dot com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there or you can download the tune in radio app to any of your devices tune in is a free app and in that tune in search engine just type in time for an awakening there you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in time for an awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook. And Time for an Awakening media is there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that Time for an Awakening marketplace in our partnership with the BB2Me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here in this uh, hot Sunday evening in the city of Philadelphia, and we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening, our guest this evening. And it'll be a very interesting program. Broadcast journalist, author, researcher, Brother Kiti Owadu is with us. COVID-19, the vaccine in black America is the topic of discussion. 
and we'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people 
where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening at 712 here in the city of Philadelphia and we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Ellie. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm, you know, considering, uh, considering all the things that's going on, you know, um, I, I make another shout out for Black August and um, hopefully everyone is um, keeping a hopeful um, mind and spirit in relationship to the earthquake going on in Haiti and, you know, hoping those um, people, families and friends are, you know, handling that catastrophe. Um, with some, you know, medicum, medicum of success and, and, and looking forward to the discussion tonight, you know, continuing on, on, uh, what's going on with this, um, virus experimentation and, and, um, this new world order. You know, uh, before we introduce our guests this evening, I want to, uh, mention to, um, you know, uh, we had uh, Brother Garvey on, uh, who was that, about a couple of months ago, Richard? Yeah. Talking about the situation in Haiti. Yeah, right. Uh, I guess uh, we'll probably reach back out to him within the coming weeks, him or, or uh, Sister Zilli Danto, or one of them, to get them back on the program to kind of talk about the situation that was happening politically in Haiti and now with this catastrophe that has happened. Um, the struggle continues for our people. And... Uh, Maybe the ancestors is trying to tell us something that we need to be doing and concentrating on doing. That's right. Um, you know, this is a continuing uh, series that we've been doing on Time for an Awakening and uh, kind of entitled COVID-19, the vaccine in black America. Uh, we've had uh, physicians, uh, scientists, biomedical doctors on talking about these quote-unquote uh, vaccines or the shot or jab, however you want to term it. Um, tonight, you know, this situation, uh, that's going on here in the United States, which seems to have more deaths than any other nation on it on earth seems to be changing very fluently and very rapidly. Uh, it was a special focus on the underserved communities, which is black people, uh, to get shots in their arms. Now the attention seems to be turning uh, towards our children to get jabs. And as a community, we should be very concerned. Uh, there are similarities between what is going on now and what happened in 1989 in that vaccination scandal in L.A. Tonight we're going to go through all of it. We're going to span the gamut dealing with this. And we're going to do it with somebody that knows what they're talking about. Broadcast journalist, author, and researcher, Brother Kitty Owadu is with us. Brother Kitty, how are you, sir? 
greetings to you, Brother Elliot. Greetings to you, Brother Richard. It's a pleasure to be black with you once again for Time for an Awakening. And if there's ever been a critical time for mass awakening with the concomitant actions to follow that, are, that, that shows that we are truly awake, it is a time right now. So thank you for this opportunity to share the extensive research I have on the 1989-1991 incident at three L.A. County Kaiser Permanente hospitals, as well as how that so directly relates to what the nation, the world is experiencing right now. You know, um, I want you to kind of go into that because I know that you were heavily involved in, uh, in putting that story out. Uh, so you've got detailed information that you're going to share with our audience. But to be honest, uh, Brother Keedy, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of speak for a percentage of our listeners. When we talk about uh, the mistrust of the system that we live under, the majority of our people uh, talk about Tuskegee, and rightfully so. But they might not be too much aware of other things uh in history or I've ex- our, in our experience here that mirrors Tuskegee or directly relates to a lot of the things that was going on in experimentation. Uh, what happened in Los Angeles in 1989, uh, I'd like you to really go into that and share that with the listening audience and make them aware mm-hmm. of, uh, of uh, what happened uh, there. Go ahead, Brother Keith. Yes, yes. Very, very important that we understand what took place and the nature of the people who would do this. From 1989 until 1991, Kaiser Permanente, along with Los Angeles County Department of Health and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, injected over 700, quote, mostly minority babies. They were all black and Hispanic babies as young as six months old with unlicensed experimental vaccines without legal consent from these babies' parents. One of the vaccines used, Edmondston Zagreb, EZ, had already obtained a notorious reputation overseas for killing almost one out of every 13 babies in a closely controlled set of studies in the emerging world, the developing world. In particular, the use of the vaccine had been closely associated with an increased death rate among infants in Senegal, Guinea-Bissau, and Haiti, before their second birthday, at least one baby in the L.A. County experiment died within this same two-year window. When this final story is told and understood, this will likely be one of the most scandalous affairs in the history of human experimentation to rival that or exceed that of the German Nazis, the Tuskegee syphilis study, or the Department of Energy radiation exposure experiments. That was how I wrote the introduction to the book, uh, which came out in 1996 when this was finally revealed. And now I've just re-released that book. I updated it, did some uh, error correction and things, and then I added two new chapters, which bring us up to date to show the absolute parallel between this set of scandalous experiments that took place from as early as two years before the vaccine was even used in Los Angeles County. It was already there were papers being published about how devastating the easy high titer measles vaccine had been in Africa. Our people need to be brought up to date on this. One other point I want to make in 1994, 
Harriet Washington, who is the brilliant author of the book Medical Apartheid. She wrote an article that appeared in Emerge magazine, which was the precursor to her later book. And in that, she documented this long history, this long record of human experimentation against black people that had been going on. And she talked about uh, this experimentation, which included injection with cancerous cells, plutonium, radiation poisoning, biological and chemical weapons exposure, drugging, as well as experimental vaccines. And so we have this long record. People need to know Tuskegee, as scandalous as it was, it was far worse there than what most people know. And then the, the record of Tuskegee just pales in comparison to this long record of abuse at the hands of these agencies. Uh, Brother Keedy, that, that, um, cause I was, after I became aware of that, I started reading, uh, information on that, that, uh, that, uh, high tether EZ measles, measles vaccine. Mm-hmm. And it states in some of the literature that the, uh, the vaccine that they were experimenting with on our children with, uh, not only caused them other health issues, but it lowered the children's overall immunity, rendering them susceptible, susceptible to fatal diseases. Um, talk about the story once it broke. Uh, what was the response? Because I know some other things happened, and you'll go into that during that time. They kind of took it off the, uh, the front pages of the news. But mm-hmm. what was the response to some of the parents uh, when this came out? Um, talk about some of the children, uh, whether they were followed by any, especially black media. Uh, were you aware of any black media that kind of followed these children to see what happened to them over the years? Just, just talk about a little bit about the, what happened after the story broke. When the story broke, it appeared in the Los Angeles Times in an article written by Marlene Simons. And then it was one brave Los Angeles County um, supervisor, um, Supervisor Yvonne Bratwake Burt, who raised a complaint about it in the county supervisors' meetings, but she dropped the dropped the topic rather quickly. But because of the article in the LA Times and the the brief commentary by Yvonne Bratwake Burt, I was able to find it, and I really took this on headway. We put together a team. Um, one other brother, Tabitu Umoja, and myself really were the primaries who were addressing the deep science of what was occurring and gathering data from everywhere we could find, I was able to tap into a network of very advanced biological researchers, such as Worth Cooley-Prost, who had a long record of uncovering the history of U.S. uh, human experimentation, especially her pet project was catching the United States using Haitian people, including Haitian babies, including Haitian mothers and babies who had been diagnosed as quote-unquote HIV positive, being used in experiments by U.S. agencies. And so we found out that there was a vast network of scientists and scientific investigators and writers on this, um, uh, investigative researchers. But the other than one radio station in Los Angeles, Stevie Wonder's own KJLH radio station, and the efforts of, of a brave brother, Carl Nelson, who was host of the show. He's now with a national network, WOL. Mm-hmm. Other than that, the response of the black media was fairly poor. I was able to get two of my articles on this printed in the final call. And I'm very, very grateful that they 
did publish this and saw it for the scandal that it was, even though I was a little disappointed because they seemed to be more interested in accolades than the accuracy of their stories. The the uh, children uh, that were affected with this uh, experimental vaccines, was mm-hmm. anybody ever able to track them to see uh, their health status, whether any of them passed, how they do now? Was- I was primarily responsible for that. We ended up finding 13 of these babies because of the cooperation of KJLH Radio. A lot of parents, um, we informed the community, gave out our contact information. A lot of parents were concerned about their children uh, having been in that proximity at that time at these facilities and of that same age group. We were able to confirm 13 of these babies. Kaiser Permanente, in their internal documentation, of which I have 800 pages worth of documentation on this, many of which were leaked internal documents. Kaiser Permanente said that they were tracking these babies carefully in the aftermath, but that was only one of a series of outright falsehoods and lies that they said in the aftermath of this having come back to the surface. It was bubbling beneath the surface for two or three years before Marlene Simon's article hit the Los Angeles Times because doctors at various conferences, medical researchers in various conferences were talking about it amongst themselves, but they did not want to inform the public, did not want to inform the families who had signed faulty consent forms. Um, They did not want to inform them that their children had been used in what was a very, very dangerous and sinister experiment with unlicensed uh, experimental vaccines. You know, uh, the article that I was reading in reference to uh, uh, the the, uh, paragraph that I read, the Alliance for Human Research Protection, uh, it states that, and I want to read this because it kind of goes back to something else. The CDC director at the time, Dr. David Thatcher, who Mm -hmm. who is black. David Thatcher, mm-hmm. Uh, who was not the director at the when the experiment was going on, supposedly, defended the CDC in the Los Angeles Times. Uh, He stated there was no ill intent on the part of the agency in not telling parents that the vaccine had not been licensed for use in the United States uh, and was termed experimental in this country. Uh, He commented, some things sometimes fall through the cracks. But later on, Thatcher became the U.S., Surgeon General, you know, reading his statements in defense of the CDC experimenting on black children in 1989 and 90 reminds me of Eugene Dibble uh, Jr., Mm -hmm. who was over the Tuskegee experiments. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. And his role, David Satcher's role, reminds me of Eunice Rivers, who was the (laughs) confidence woman the black woman, the confidence woman, who at the time was the highest paid black woman in the state of Alabama. She was the confidence woman that kept these 428 black men in the Tuskegee syphilis. Um, It wasn't even a study. It was a scandal, Tuskegee syphilis scandal. One of the things that was really never exposed about the Tuskegee syphilis scandal is that doctors at Johns Hopkins University had patented a test for syphilis that used the plasma from these 428 men that was being gathered as a patented commercial test that they had put out there. I think that is very scandalous because the record on syphilis had been around since the 16th century. They knew the progress of syphilis. 
but what they what was not revealed was these men were essentially used as cattle to grow blood plasma to be used in a patented for profit test. <laughs> Richard, yeah, you know it's it's, it's interesting, and, and it's the the question that comes to mind as it relates to this, um, and I and I and I do have others that's broader, but um, how did the parents respond? Okay, they, you know, um, it's now revealed. They're, they're aware of their children. They got the information um, through, you know, as you say, the work that you did and Carl, um, Carl Nelson did. After, after that, what was the response of the parents in relationship to um, the um, medical industry or to the government and doing the research to, you know, it, was there any follow-up as far as how did they activate based off of this happening to them as i said we had found 13 of these children so we were able to contact their parents and have discussions had community meetings where the parents came out i got a chance to meet some of the children as well and the children there were a spectrum of issues that could have been related to long-term immune malfunction or immune dysfunction that we were observing but i was really not at all impressed with the response of the parents a couple of them seem to be only interested in, is there some money out of this? Is there a lawsuit we might be able to get? And we were trying to get a lawsuit, a major lawsuit against the uh, commercial participant in this. Um, we did find at least a couple of the parents really got on the front line. And fortunately for our Los Angeles coalition, the LA County Coalition Against Racist Human Experimentation was what we called our group. One of the parents whose child was experimented on happened to be also a nurse employed by Kaiser Permanente. Yes, they experimented on their own employee's baby without giving, without giving consent, proper informed consent from the mother. And so she was really quite outraged that this corporation would do this. So she joined our coalition and she was very, very helpful. Eventually, though, um, they held out against us. We were doing the best we can to rally all of the forces. I later found out, and I did find uh, internal Kaiser documents, even with my name in it, talking about the, the rabble rouser and what I was doing to get the community engaged and involved in this. Um, but eventually, I, we found out that Kaiser Permanente paid off three Black organizations. I'm not going to mention them um, three black organizations were given $50,000 grants for their activities. And with that, they were able to buy a friendly position in the larger community. And without going into details, I was banished from the radio station for two years after this incident. Hmm. You, you know, Elliot, you always, because the next door that comes in that you always bring up, um, I think you, uh, at that period in time, um, what's, her, um, what's her name? The Congresswoman Maxine Waters wasn't mm -hmm. she in office at that time? At that time, um, yes, but she was not necessarily a friendly here. I don't necessarily <laughs> want to go into details, but she wasn't a friendly here. Okay, yeah. And the reason why I say that because you know um, when the whole thing of the Gary Webb um, story came out, um, you know, around the, the Contra, you know. She was one that really vocal. That's what I was just interested in relationship mm -hmm. to this. Um, what was her response? She was younger, um, uh, you know, younger congressperson, and it's in her area. 
but it's um i i'm hearing you say there was a different kind of response as it you related know, to black people particularly my area of expertise and advocacy has always centered around healthcare, health related issues relations of black people with the medical pharmaceutical complex i have written extensively about iatrogenics which translates to death by doctor which is scandalous and outrageous far more than african americans might even imagine the toll there is so so very high and when it kind comes down to these issues related to healthcare us against the system i have not found friendlies in the african american elected uh, official spectrum a congressional black caucus i've had conversations with a number of them and uh at a certain point you really just kind of give up with Maxine Waters I had numerous conversations about this and other issues and I just gave up my father convinced me early on in life if you can't say anything positive about somebody don't talk about it <laughs> I hear that uh you know before we transition into what's going on now uh brother Keedy and these uh experimental jabs that did putting in people's arms. Let me share with you a couple of paragraphs of this published report from 2015. It related to an incident that happened in 2014, <clears throat> and I'm quite sure that you're aware of it, but I think it all relates. Because we were just talking about what happened in Los Angeles in 89 and 90 and how the CDC uh, was heavily involved in it up to their necks in uh, relation to, with this uh, drug company, Kaiser Permiente. Let me share the, uh, some of this article with you and get you to talk about it and, uh, for the benefit of our listening audience. Uh, this came from a published report in uh, July 9th of 2015. It says, last August, the, CD the CDC, Center of Disease Control, senior scientist, Dr. William Thompson, invoked federal whistleblower status and confessed that the CDC has known since 2001 that black boys exposed to MMR vaccines have a disproportionate risk of autism. Thompson, a 17-year CDC veteran, is the author of some of the leading studies cited by the CDC and still works at the CDC. Well, at that time he did. I don't know whether he does now. And I'm, mm -hmm. that's me saying that. Released the raw data sets that he says his bosses at the CDC ordered him to conceal. Those data show that black boys who receive MMR vaccines uh, before three years of age, uh, as the CDC recommends, were uh, four times uh, more likely to receive autism diagnosis than those uh, receiving the vaccine after three years of age. This effect was not observed in any other race categories. Nevertheless, when the CDC scientists published their results in the Journal of Pediatrics in 2004, they omitted the damaging data, fraudulently declaring that there was no risk of autism from the MMR vaccination. In August 2014, Thompson issued a press release through his attorney stating, I regret that my co-authors and I omitted statistically significant information in our 2004 article published in the Journal of Pediatrics. The omitted data suggests that African-American males 
who received MMR vaccines before the age of 36 months were at an increased risk of autism. The buried data was disturbing, but hardly surprising. The most reliable studies in the scientific literature indicates that African-Americans are more susceptible to vaccine injury and may have also increased accessibility uh, to neurological disorders such as autism. In 2010, nationwide study of the CDC's Autism and Developmental Disability Monitoring, Monitoring Network found autism incidents of about 25% higher in African-Americans than Caucasians. In 2014, a study published in Pediatrics showed higher rates of all categories of autism among African-Americans in Los Angeles County compared to Caucasians, with the incidence of severe autism elevated by 263% among foreign-born blacks and 152% for U.S. born blacks as compared to U.S. born whites. <clears throat> so we see here, almost 20 years after that, more data released and hidden with experimentation used on black children and the uh, susceptibility to autism, them developing autism by the use of these MMR vaccines. Before you kind of take this conversation on what's going on now, Brother Keedy. Do you have any comments on that? Yes. Go ahead. And I'm a little in contradiction with many of the people who have taken this issue and um, um, William Thompson's revolution. I think that they've taken it in isolation and they've taken it so far and made so many claims at it that the opposition which is very clever. The opposition uses communication strategies, propaganda. They use it very carefully, and they listen very, very carefully to be saying that this is the sole cause of such a high level of autism diagnoses among black boys. I think that was a fatal flaw. In my research, And I'm holding a book right now. I just got this book a couple of weeks ago. I haven't started reading it, but I listened to the author's lecture and I just knew this book was going to be very, very useful. The book by Janice Barcelo was entitled Birth Trauma and the Dark Side of Modern Medicine. And what she exposes in this book, that there's a lot of things that go on at the time of birth, including the jabs, including the injections, no doubt. A lot of things that go on even during the course of the pregnancy, I have long railed against the process of what are called vanity ultrasounds. Now, ultrasound is a technology that could be very useful if there is a risk of high pregnancy, of injury and or death to the mother or to the baby. That's where it could be very useful, but it's not being used that way. The overwhelming majority of ultrasounds are what we call vanity ultrasounds, Oh, we just want to determine the sex of the baby. Oh, well, we took a picture of the baby last month. We want to take a picture of the baby again this month. I knew instinctively, because I have a background in uh, in the entertainment industry, which means I have a lot of insights about audio and audio sound waves and high power frequencies. And these, they're even talking about sonic surgery. So we know that sound is capable of severing um, flesh. So... Even before our first child was born, she's now 31 years old, I said, no, we are not going to do any ultrasounds to our babies. 
because it's a risk that their tiny little bodies with tiny little nervous systems are going to be damaged by being bombarded by ultra high frequency, high amplitude sound waves. It was about eight years, maybe as many as 11 years after I made this stance and told people about it, that we saw the first studies now coming out of California about the association between the frequency of ultrasounds and learning disabilities, reading disabilities. And when we talk about autism, that is in the exact same categorization. So I say there's a spectrum of risk factors that could lead to a diagnosis of autism. There's probably a much too high use of the diagnosis of autism how much different that is the number of our children being diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and these other things that just says essentially the society is giving up on instructing children that may be coming from stressful or traumatic backgrounds, family situations, community situations. And so I cannot and I will not dismiss what Dr. William Thompson has revealed. I will not dismiss association with vaccinations and a series of unintended consequences. I have written four books on vaccines, so I know these side effects, direct effects quite well, but I do, I'm a little disappointed that people won't look beyond just that obvious and look at many of these other things we do, such as when a woman is pregnant, she will eat anything. Um, and then when the baby is born, they won't put the baby on human brain food which comes from a woman's breast. It is not, you do not get the food to feed the growth of a human brain from a cow, a goat, or a hyena. <laughs> you know, ahead, this, this, this raises a question for me, um, you know, that I, I ask all of all, everyone to come in, you know, around this, because what you're raising is, uh, for on one hand, is what we need to know. And the question I, I ask, especially as we move, uh, more and more into the not just vaccinations and utilizing technology, but more and more with innovative technology being introduced as um, medical um, practices that um, is is really engineered. Um, how how scientific literate should we be as Black people um, in order to be able to um, have this understanding? You were working in the field, so you knew about sound waves. Um, so the average person in a um, black woman in a salon or a brother in a barbershop, they probably wouldn't have. But in this day and time, I'm, I'm wondering, should we become more literate around these scientific in, in, in inventions and the effect they have um, and how even that li lines up with the experimentation necessary in order to create them? That's a, such an excellent question. I, the level of education I have is, and this is really quite extraordinary. I have a background, laboratory background, coming right out of high school, working in a biological laboratory in uh, cell biology, cryogenics, and related sciences. My father himself was an industrial chemist. So the potential for we as African people, especially here in the United States, to be very highly informed, very articulate about all manners of science, the potential is absolute. Unfortunately, we have seen across America the dumbing down of the educational system, and I think it's probably hit our ethnicity as bad or worse than others. We've seen the imposition of a medical, pharmaceutical, drug cartel, a complex imposing itself 
more and more into our lives, sucking up more and more of the national gross domestic product, now at over 18% of GDP, going into a healthcare system, the most overpriced healthcare system of any nation in the world, which delivers an outcome which ranks very lowly in satisfaction among the most developed nations. And so everything is going awry. What we need at times like this are brilliant, insightful people and a media, a black media that has the courage, has the autonomy, the independence to be able to stand up and do what you two brothers are doing here with Time for an Awakening is to say, hey, listen, our people need to be informed. We're going to bring on the most articulate voices. And if we need to tell Keedy, well, tone it down. Your language is a little too technical for our audience. Well, you can help me translate it. But unless we create autonomous systems for self-governance, all across the board for all the critical needs of a modern developed people, then we will get the dregs, the leftovers. It reminds me of that movie Titanic. The people who couldn't afford to pay the uh, extra ticket prices to be able to walk around on the upper decks when they knew that the boat was going to sink and that there was not enough lifeboats for everyone, they locked the people in the lower decks lock them in, assuring that they're going to die first. That's what we find ourselves. We are on a sinking Titanic, and we have unfortunately allowed ourselves to be locked into steerage class. Brother Katie, the, um I'm watching the television. I think it was last week. They had a commercial come on, and, and maybe just some other listener might have saw the same commercial. And it Shows a young black girl, she was jogging, and, and on the split screen, she's talking with her grandmother. And she asked her grandmother, uh, has she been to the hospital to get the shot? And she said, well, no, I'm, I'm apprehensive about taking the shot, getting the vaccine. They said, they ain't shot. They said, getting the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So the young lady asked her, the actress that played her grandmother, did you take did you ask your doctor about monoclonal antibodies? And then the, uh, mm. the grandmother mm. said, I don't know anything about that. And she said, well, grandma, ask your doctor about monoclonal antibodies because I think you can take that. And then, you know, the the uh, person that's doing the advertisement for this came in, you know, with their voices. Now, mm-hmm. you talked about this, and I heard you and other uh, venues talk about these things not being vaccines but gene therapies talk talk about this, these vaccines that Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson is using also with this stuff that I heard about this monoclonal antibody. Talk about all of that for our listening audience, because some of our people have taken these things. They've listened to uh, the, the, the doctors promoting this, whether it's Fauci or others, and they just have run out and taken a vaccine. A lot of our people have it, but Educate our people on this stuff. These things are not vaccines from what you're saying. Talk about it. The definition of vaccine is a pharmaceutical concoction that is intended to create immunity. The definition of a vaccine includes the intention is to create immunity. Thing is, is that these jabs, these injections, these monoclonal antibody infusions, there's so many problems with them. Um, the chapter 15, I did add two new chapters to the book Outrages. I republished it just four days ago, went to the printer, and now it's available for global sales. It, 
the papers that I included clearly explain that this is not a vaccine, that these are intended gene therapies. And we have documents going back to as early as 2011, 2013, that talks about the development of widely dispersed gene therapies intended to change the structure of human DNA to allow us to adapt to um, environmental risks of infectious diseases. It sounds exactly like genetic modification of organisms such as corn, soybeans, wheat, sugar beets, and rice to insert GMO genes into them said to make them more tolerable of this toxic poison called glyphosate, which is in the weed killer. So it's so shocking. Now, I have written a significant white paper. It was reported, I wrote this paper and initially started sharing it in December 2020. So some nine months ago, I predicted in this paper that we would see these dangerous mutations emerging. And now that they're talking about so-called Delta uh, variant, which I'm not necessarily wholly believing in, but if it is true what they're talking about, then my paper absolutely predicted it. If you don't mind, can I give you just the title and the first paragraph which Go ahead. is the summary of my paper? Go ahead. Now, you, mm-hmm. you, have, you brothers have read it, I presume. Right. Yes. And this is, this language is somewhat technical. In the book, I do include a paragraph, a glossary of words for people to look at, to look up, and this will give them a better ability to um, understand what this is about. I'm going to read just the title and then the summary paragraph. Paper entitled, Monoclonal Antibody Immune Therapy Introduces Risk of Mutation of Novel Zoonotic RNA Virus Species, Unintended Consequences of the Enhanced Function of COVID-19 and Mass Sterilization, or Mass, not Sterilization, Mass Vaccination. Let me correct that. So here's what I said. Here's the summary. A spectrum of minimally regulated and extraordinary pharmacological procedures has created an unprecedented environment for the potential emergence of the most dangerous infectious pathogens to have ever affected humans and other species. Currently propagated across a large global environment are procedures such as gene editing, gain-of-function experiments, monoclonal immune therapy, the use of non-human species in vaccine cultures, including chimpanzees and monkeys with COVID vaccines, Mm -hmm. Mm quote-unquote, mutagenic chemotherapies, unintended amino acid sequence mutations, antibiotic-resistant pathogens, and other modern medical therapeutic approaches. It seems inevitable that these procedures in unusual combinations, raise the specter of unintended and highly aggressive pathogenic mutations. The world's current microbiological regulatory environment is inadequate to prevent spontaneous mutation of new pathogenic species of infectious superbugs of the future. Under a worst-case scenario outcome, This could lead to an extinction-level event for untold millions on the planet. Did the rush to distribute mass vaccination for COVID-19 create a possibility 
of the world's sixth extinction level event. So that is the summary. The paper is available in the book. And for people who are sitting on the fence or people who want to argue, I don't want to do it, but they have to argue other people, the paper, when they see this paper in entirety and the previous chapter that goes with it, these are bulletproof arguments. Absolutely bulletproof. I will say with this paper, give me five of your best scientists, including the, the heads of these agencies, put the five of them on a panel to oppose me, and I'll tie half my brain behind my head. There you go. <laughs> half your brain, right? Oh Lord. And these are the people these are the people in charge of our life and our our children's lives in the future from a from a medical perspective. And now the question, brothers, I have for you is do we as black people believe enough in our own scientists to invest in them? Why should people who do the level of work that I'm doing, why should we be struggling just to pay the water bill? Yeah. That, no, and that's, that's like, yeah, that's, that's the heart of when you mentioned earlier about the measles vaccine and the reason why I raised the point about um, the parents and the, um, um, the politicians, because that mm-hmm. is us, right? And that's if right. we don't have no confidence or after even being told, then um, we won't support our own infrastructure, our own medical researchers, or or even our institutions. Not like we didn't have the ability, because we did create hospitals in the past. We, we created uh, nurses and doctors. Um, and that's in not no long distant past either. So um, it's, it's your point is very valid in the sense of why should, um, not just in the area of research, in this area, but in every area, we don't support people that go to that point that you mentioned about um, self-governance, you know, towards our own self-governance. And we have to be able to deal with that. You know, in the, in the, uh, when we, after we go to the break, when we come back from break, I want to talk about uh, some of the things going on on the continent, because you raised the uh, understanding about uh, our people, our scientists, uh, working on things to combat this. Um, it's a lot of things going on in the continent and other areas of the diaspora where our people have been working on some of these things, but Western medicine and Western society basically uh, shuns it, poo-poos it, uh, and said it's not enough, um, uh, what do they call it? Trials. Um, uh, yeah, human trials. But I want you to kind of let our audience know some of the things going on, Brother Keita, especially on the continent, which you've been to several times, and uh, and you and you kind of know what's going on on that level to educate mm-hmm. our audience to what's going on. But before you do that, and before we take a break, I want to go back to something that you stated um, a minute ago when you were talking about uh, these things being gene therapies and the, this monoclonal antibodies. Um, and you talked about it's like a GM. Uh, uh, you mentioned GMO. Mm-hmm. The parallel. And, mm-hmm. Yes, and and I want to give credit to a good friend of mine. He pulled my coat to it in a conversation that we had just this afternoon. That Monsanto is owned by Pfizer. The the same Monsanto that uh, was all these GMO foods. And these chemicals sprayed on these foods that have been infecting people and infecting mm-hmm. them in adverse ways is owned by Pfizer. This I don't think that's true. 
Well, they, they are owned by Bayer, which is Germany's largest pharmaceutical company. Bayer, as we would call it, Bayer is actually, which Bayer actually comes out of the legacy of IG Farben, which goes back to the days of uh, who was manufacturing the gases that were used to exterminate millions of people in Germany. But I'm pretty sure that Pfizer and Bayer, I, I may have missed something, but I think that they're two separate corporate entities. I can con- confirm that in the background here in just a minute. Yeah. You, in fact, when we take a break, you come back because I, uh, um, I think Pharmacia had brought, yeah. uh, uh, their name was changed from Monsanto to Pharmacia and Pharmacia had been brought out by Pfizer. But you, you, you just double check me on that, uh, uh, brother Keedy. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, what we'll do, we'll take a break. Uh, in fact, before we go to break, let me, uh, get a call or two in here, see if uh, anybody wants to make comments or have a question to what they've heard so far. Let's go to 404. 404. Hey, Elliot, how you doing? I hope y'all can hear me, man. I'm in the store right now. I hope I ain't too much background noise, but, uh, Brother Keith, you're right on the money, man. There's so yeah. much information out there. And, uh, I worked at the CDC, bro. And the CDC number the, uh, Bunch of naval, it's just a military wing, man. Everybody walking around, they got on naval uniforms, man. And uh, I worked in Dr. Satchel's office before I knew everything that was going on, man. I would have talked to Dr. Satchel, man, but I didn't know what was going on back then, 20 years ago. But uh, look up the, uh, it's called the uh, Epidemic, Epidemic Intelligence Service, man. That's the wing of the CDC, man. The EIS. And, uh, EIS, we refer to them as the CIA of the CDC, the EIS. Thank you for knowing Thank who you, they sir. are. Yes, sir. I studied that. And plus, Brother Keith, you, you said about the effect affects the sound, but sound also to cure people with, uh, i.e., they use sonic waves to cure uh, kidney stones and uh, a gallstone. But uh, there's so much information out there, man. And, I appreciate you, Brother Keith. I'm just like you, man. I bring some information. It's a fun time to be alive. We got them, man. I know you. I don't want to take up too much time. Elliot, I won't take up too much time because I'm in the store and it's loud. But uh, I love you, Brother Keith. Keep it on. Keep it on. I'm right with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Lion. Thank you for your call, sir. Let's go to 267. 267. Hey, uh, good evening, Elliot. I want to say good evening, Richard. I want to say good evening to your guest, uh, Brother Keith. You know, I'm, I'm, I admire your intelligence, brother. I mean, and, uh, you know, when I heard you as a guest, I was ecstatic about it. But uh, let me let me just say this. And, and, and Elliot, you are right. I believe Monsanto was changed their name to Pharmacia, who later became, I believe, now, I believe what Monsanto was is Pharmacia and Pharmacia was is owned by Pfizer. Uh, that's that's the absolute truth to that one. Now I don't know about the bear and things like that, so I'm gonna have to research what Brother Keedy was saying. And also, Brother Keedy, I wanted to say also. Um, now, I am a person that you know wanted to ask you about this because it was another gentleman. He always asked me about collagen or uh, you know. Um, Paxamine, is that a, now, so far I've used it because I've heard other guests come on and I use it, um, but also I use zinc 
I use uh, what we call NAC, and I also use another uh, supplement, um, um, vitamin C. I, I, I've always taken that. I've taken my D3 because I did my own research. I, you know, when I hear people say they do research, I, I, I look into things because I want to save me and my family's life. So I did look where even a Chicago university, they said the, the majority of people who suffered with the coronavirus, they did a study, it was almost near 90% they were vitamin D deficient. So I always say that because I read where we are vitamin D deficient because of where we live and we just don't get enough sunlight. And um, so that's another thing. But I did want to ask you about the NEC. I did want to ask you about the creatine and the uh-huh. facts immune because that's what I basically use. Yeah. I, I've written a book called Living Superfood Longevity. And chapter 14 of that book are the 36 life extension or anti-aging supplements that I use. So many of these that you're mentioning, I do cover in that chapter. I'm not necessarily prepared to discuss nutrition so much today as we are to discuss um, the issues related to the immunology, epidemiology, virology, and all these other issues. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit mentally compartmentalized right now. And I love always talking about nutrition, but maybe if you could just spare me right now, but I would highly recommend if you get a chance, you know, and I have my 41st book coming out in a couple of weeks. So we just sent one to the printer a couple of days ago. Now, number 41 of original books is about to go to the printer paradigm shift. And that's a new uh, empowerment pathway for African-American development. So if you don't mind, if I could just say the book living superfood longevity, has some of the best information on extending our lives using supplemental nutrition, as you have been describing. Okay, and I, I just I just bought a book by you about a week ago called Panic. Uh, I haven't really picked it up to really read it yet, but mm-hmm. I definitely want to do that. And 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 I just want to uh, leave off with this one. Um, um, like they, like I hear a lot of people talk about they're doing their research, they're doing their research, and come to find out the extent of their research is going to uh, the local news and getting what they're saying and you know what they're pushing. But I'm out there amongst a lot of people. So I go amongst the people and I ask them, uh, do you know anyone with the coronavirus? And, uh, And to my surprise, a lot of the people who told me they contracted it this summer, to my surprise, I would say, a hundred percent of them said my daughter was fully vaccinated and she got it. Or my daughter had it before she had her two shots and she just got it. A contractor just told me Friday, he said, you don't believe in the vaccine? I said, no. He said, man, I should have met you earlier because I got my two shots and I still got it. So these people who are think that they're immune to this thing, whatever it is out there are actually they're the ones that's breathing it, spreading it, and everything else. And they're not wearing the mask. I heard some people are, I wear a mask because I don't know what it is. And I'm just yeah. going well, by that. If I could just very briefly, I was in Uganda, just um, came back just about a month ago. And I was there for intended to be three weeks, turned out to be six weeks. Around the fourth week, I came down with malaria. 
Malaria oh. is a parasite from mosquito bites. And it hit me really hard. I knew about malaria. I even had some malaria prophylactic things that I was doing, which probably mitigated the impact of it. But yeah, that thing kicked my royal. <clears throat> I was talked into going to the hospitals by a lot of family pressure from my wife, who's I just, you know, gotten married to a Ugandan woman. And that was when it all went to crap. But the very first day I had any experience with the hospital there while I was suffering from malaria, they told me I had COVID-19. Now, interesting, for over a month after they told me that, for maybe close to a month, she and I, newlyweds, we spent every day, all day together. And she, even when I was in the hospital, she was there with me, would stay the night, etc. And she never tested COVID positive. But my mm-hmm. malaria immediately tested COVID positive. I suggest if we take a good, close look at the diagnostic process, we might find out the same thing we found out with HIV and AIDS in the early 1990s. The diagnostic process is terribly flawed. And last point I'll make about that, if I'm COVID positive on two out of five tests I took while I was there traveling to and from Uganda, if I'm COVID positive and she's COVID negative, then that makes us what's called a discordant couple. Us existing as a discordant couple, one person's positive for the infectious disease, the other person never gets it. Then that violates one of the oldest rules for determining if something is truly an infectious disease called Koch's postulates. So I am, we are evidence that this thing is really bad science. I appreciate your time, and thank you for your guests, Elliot and Richard, and uh, I'm going to go back to listening, but I appreciate this program. Thank you. All right. Look for my books, too, at keidi.biz. If you could, I could use the money, because I need to pay my water bill. (laughs) All right. I'm going to go to it right after I hang up. All right. Take care. Great call. Thanks for your call. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. You can get involved, too, by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're in conversation with broadcast journalist, author, and researcher, Relikiti Owadu, COVID-19, the vaccines, and Black America. We'll be right back. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. 
All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Kometsu Black family, to join your interconnected Kometsu Black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. I am an African. The death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who will destroy them in America. There are fools in this this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color, and that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country 
by this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. Ladies and gentlemen, the death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions. Probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. And we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're a part of a slave culture. We have no preparation. We have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separatist position is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years. this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issue, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. You are listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media. 
part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 814 here in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening, and we're joined in conversation with broadcast journalist, author, researcher, the conscious roster is with us, Brother Kiti Awadu. COVID-19, the vaccine, and black America is the topic of conversation this evening. And you can join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Uh, let's go back to the phone before we uh, continue anything. Let's go to 505. 505, uh, New Mexico? 505, are you there? Let's put them back on hold. Let's go to 267. 267? 267, are you there? Brother Elliot, Brother Richard. Yes. Yes, and to your guests, this is wonderful uh, conversation here. And um, I'm going to say that when it comes to this brother right here and this information, they look at this brother as being a conspiracy theorist. For instance, <laughs> yes. For instance, there was an article in the Final Call newspaper, and um, a journalist came on the radio, and he he was questioned by a brother who was in the nation. And the brother in the nation said that he had read in the Final Call where the person who created the virus, um, who created the antidote for the virus, the vaccine, had even questioned whether or not it was effective or not. In other words, it may, may be to kill the virus, no guarantee. And uh, the final call folk had interviewed the man who created the vaccine. And the person that was on the radio said that I'm tired of Louis Farrakhan and Nation of Islam and all those conspiracy theorists who put this stuff out here. They're stopping the progression of people who want to live. They need to take their shots. He gave an example of he's having a wedding. You cannot come to his wedding, not unless you're fully vaccinated. Now, I mean, they're pushing this thing to scare you. They're pushing this thing because the doctor and the pharmacist work together. The economy is, is when the way they make money, is, is at stake with them. The other thing is, it's an experimental drug that's supposed to stop the virus. Not giving you that. And like some people, like Ralph said, there's some people who he knows have taken the shot and still got sick. But there are going to be more people taking it because they're scaring you with these tactics. We need to in- inject children. We need to inject the adults. You need a third shot. So who's really doing a conspiracy? Who's scaring who? And who's about making money? Meanwhile, people are dying. You have to take the right vitamins. You have to do exercise. And, of course, we don't want to get sick. But this is the, the system is, is against us. And what, is, what we're looking at today is that we need people like you to tell us other alternatives. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, I could respond yeah, briefly. Um, insofar as people like me being called conspiracy theorists, believe it or not, no one has accused me of being a conspiracy theorist. 
They tried that tactic against me back in the 1990s. And when I responded to it, they said, just don't say anything about him. Um, even in the New York Times, in trying to um, poo-poo the idea that I said the use of latex condoms increased the risk of someone testing reactive on these antibody assays. They didn't dismiss it outright. They even called me a very eloquent and powerful speaker. And But they did kind of poo-poo the idea by using Alvin Poussin to dismiss the whole Harlem AIDS conference. And amazing, the, LA, the New York Times, five days later, featured a story on their front page that was taken from my book about latex condoms and the dangers of latex condoms. I would say another point. I, I'm going to a, encourage people to read my book called Panic, What the Coronavirus Tells Us About the State of the World. Because, because I wrote, wrote the book, and the book is very, very detailed, and I made a lot of wonderful predictions in the book. There are parts of our dialogue when we're talking about these things that are, that are imprecise. And I am of the mindset that only the truth will set us free. And imprecise parts of our dialogue are not necessarily truths, such as there is a cure for it. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. COVID, a coronavirus, coronaviruses have been studied for over 65 years. I document the studies and identification of some 19 coronaviruses in my book. Coronaviruses were said to just be mild, cold-like, acute inflammation. And how did they become so toxic and so deadly that in the United States, up until my malaria, co coronavirus caused 28 different morbidities, including the, the leading ones like cancer, cardiovascular disease, kidney disease, hypertension, stroke. Coronavirus now said to be the cause. Here's a proof of what I'm saying. In December 2020, the World Health Organization released its annual statistics on the leading causes of death in the world. And these statistics they're releasing in 2020 were for the year 2019, which is before coronavirus is thrust upon the world. 2019 statistics released a year later. It takes that long to comprise a statistic. Of the top 10 leading causes of death in the world, nine of them a year later were COVID-associated deaths. One month later in January, the 10th was now associated as a COVID-associated death. At a certain point, we have to ask the question, same question we should have asked in the days of HIV and AIDS. How can this virus cause 28 different diseases in the case of HIV, AIDS, unrelated to each other except for this diagnosis? And the same thing holds true a year later. So when we're talking about a cure for it, I have to ask the question, is the cure for chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or progressive nephropathy, kidney disease, or cancer, is that the same cure for sickle cell disease, Kawasaki's disease? No, absolutely no. So that their idea that there is a quote unquote cure for COVID, I can't go with that because COVID manifestation of some 28, maybe now 29 different diseases, if my malaria is now caused by COVID, that just, it just doesn't float. It's not good science. It's not consistent. There's nothing usable, solid, 
foundation there for which we can build a response. Now, if we're talking about building up the human immune system, immunology, then there I can work with that because the same procedures that are going to build up natural functioning human immune system will also lower the risk of all of these inflammation-based diseases and disorders, which happen to be some 200 different disease diagnoses associated with inflammation. Dr. Sabi said all diseases caused by mucus. What he didn't say is, in a more technical language that I use, that mucus is immunoglobulin G, IgG. That's the impact of the after effect of your body fighting inflammation. So Dr. Sabi wasn't inaccurate. He just used a street people, a roots language, whereas I was raised to use more technical language. And Dr. Sabi is no longer around. Is that correct? Dr. Sabi, unfortunately, died tragically in August 2016 at the age of 83. He was one of my dear friends and Baba's for many years. We praise his eternal name. And we always remember that as we reach for the stores, we stand upon the shoulders of giants. I agree. I agree. Thank you, sir. Great call. I appreciate Thank you for your you, call. Man. Let's go to uh, McKinley, Texas, 469. Texas, you're there. Yes, I am. Thank you so much for call, uh, for taking my call. Mm-hmm. And like always, it's great talking to you, Brother Keating. Um, yeah, I've had uh, a niece who they said passed away from COVID and a nephew who just contracted, and both of them was in Florida. Uh, there's something going on in Florida that's over way beyond what is happening in other places. Now, I'm not taking the vaccine and, and people on me all the time, but that's okay. I can handle that. I'm um, actually on the first black health food store in Dallas, my wife, when I was married. And we had um, Dick Gregory, uh, um uh, and, and a lot of other, uh, uh, Layla Africa, uh, uh, Sister Mulligan, she came through. So we had a lot of different people. What we've got going on, basically, is that the immune system of people here in America is really being compromised. If you can just go out and look at the size of these people, overweight, overstressed, high blood pressure, and whatever this disease is or whatever they've got out here, what it's basically doing, in my opinion, and Kitty, you can go more into the technical of it. If you have a compromise, uh, compromise, your system is compromised, it's attacking the weak points in your system. So that's what I see is going on. But I go out every day. I work I walk between three and five miles and I walk. I don't casually walk. I walk. So I'm sweating. I'm soaked once I've finished. Then I'm going out later on in the afternoon and I I get out into the sun so that I can get my vitamin D. Plus I do take vitamin D, vitamin C, D3, C, uh, black seed oil, uh, good multivitamin and, and so forth. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you just giving the information uh what you have. Oh, and one thing I'll add this. I'm from the East St. Louis area, and Monsanto 
at one time was basically in the chemical. They spun the chemical piece of it off to a company called Solution, and they did sell to Bear. So I know that was probably about 2013, 2014. They proposed the merger in 2016. It was completed. Now, there is a timeline. We were earlier talking about that. If we go back in the timeline, 2002 or the year 2000, Pharmacia and Upjohn Upjohn completed a merger with Monsanto and Surly, creating Pharmacia, and they were in the pharmaceuticals. Later in 2003, they spun off. Yeah, they spun off Monsanto in 2002. And when they spun off Monsanto, they spun it off as the agricultural product-centered company that was later acquired by Bayer, the German company. Right, right. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, they've done a lot of spinning off. And there's another company in St. Louis called Express Scripts. That's another one. And they just just were, were bought out by someone. So anyway, I will get off the phone and and uh, and allow some other people to come in. But key, uh, I'm sorry, Elliot. I actually have a, a video from the Tulsa uh, Centennial that I need to send to you all. And I close it out with Amos Wilson, and he talks about the 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 you know these created vaccine uh, diseases and so forth. So I'll try to go and see if I can post that to your Facebook page. And again, Keedy, keep up the good work. You're you're a genius and you're you were certainly appreciated by us all. I appreciate that. And uh, <laughs> hope you get a chance to see the update of my books. I released during when the lockdown year put so many people on hold and literally cut off 80% or more of my income. I completed four new books, three of which were science-based, and I updated seven of my previous books. So we don't die, we multiply. When others are locked down, we tie up our racing shoes. Yeah, and, and I'm <clears throat> I'm definitely going to get around to reading some of your books. Right now I'm doing uh, Michelle Alexander and Neely Fuller at this time, but I'm definitely going to get around to, to cracking open your book. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I need to go ahead and get it so that I can uh, go between the three because they all tie together in one way or, That's right. or the other. Yeah. And, and Again, just real, thank you all for real, taking my call. Yeah. Just real quickly to anybody out there, um, I, I enjoy talking about these issues of science and the, the battle between us and them, this and that. But you know something, brothers Elliot and Richard, what really excites me is my Pan-African Sustainable Development Research and Work. We've got, we're on the ground. We have over 100 and, we have 135 acres in Uganda that we've already secured preparing for agribusiness. My book, The Blackest Soil, Africa Can Feed the World, has blown up around the world. Everywhere this book goes, I start getting calls from Nigeria, from the Congo, from Kenya, from Europe, from Uganda, where now our, our operations are being centered around Uganda because Uganda has so many great advantages when it comes to the future of agribusiness. I contend with the right plan, Africa can become the world's leading exporter of food and by the year 2050, create a $4.3 trillion annual food export wealth 
production system. That's really the most exciting work that I'm doing right now. Practical, yeah. hands on the ground, pan-African sustainable development. Am I still on yes, with sir. you all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one more thing that I would like to add, and I had, had sent a text to, to Brother West in New Orleans. Um, I had talked to him about possibly sometime next year, uh, the audience, your audience, Richard and, and, and Elliot, as well as Carl Nelson's, us getting together somewhere and just meeting and greeting and doing some things. And I was thinking about those people coming between now and then that we can put into place. For instance, if you had it in Philadelphia, we'll say that, that we could have housing and so forth that we don't necessarily go through the hotel, but we would be able to put up people just like the times before when we could not stay in those hotels. And I thought about maybe people coming to bring, if we could get a thousand people to come to that conference and each person bring a thousand dollars, that would be that we would have like a million dollars. And Kitty, what you're talking about, we could do something over in Africa or whatever, you know, but uh, it's just an ideal that I'm throwing out there that I would like people to seriously consider, you know, coming together and those people of like mind and, 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 and skills. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all have a multiplicity of skills, mm-hmm. but we need to be able to come together because this audience is different than what you're going to get on the regular mm-hmm. um, radio thing. So I know that the people on that listen to these programs and call Nelson, they're very, very serious. Well, and I know that. Just uh-huh, quickly go ahead. tell you, we're already doing this. You just didn't know okay. about it. I'm not telling everything that I'm doing. We're already doing it. And if you yeah. really want to be a part of it, you, we don't have to create this out of scratch. It's already moving. Okay. So you, uh, now, that I I know that you're, now that I know that you're curious and interested, email me or contact me through brothers Elliot and Richard, and um, mm-hmm. let's all get involved. We have some incredible strategic plans already in place. Like I say, we're securing land on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'll do that. But I think it would still be a good idea to maybe include both of those audiences and so forth, and we can do. But we can talk about that more in the future. Yeah, it's, but I'm it's going not, to get off the It's not so easy as just a 1,000 people bring $1,000. If that were I, that I, I easy, understand. we would have solved this I, a long time ago. There's a lot of logistics in raising this money. We've had groups that have raised millions of dollars for sustainable black development, only to have federal agencies and the, um, uh, what do they call it, the ones that regulate Wall Street Economic Exchange Commission, uh, have them come in and lock everything up FCC. with these years-long worth of investigations. So we come up with new strategies, especially yeah. centering so much more percentage of our work in Africa, where we're not going to get the same sort of uh, interference from the SEC and the uh, DOJ and others. Okay. Well, let me get off the phone so that you all, someone can get in, you can and continue with the conversation. When you, get an, you, when you get an opportunity, just drop a note to uh, Time for an Awakening at uh, gmail.com, and, and we can kind of facilitate uh, what yeah. you were talking about earlier. Okay, yeah, that's the good. stuff that gets me excited, brothers. I sure to appreciate that. All right. All right. Let's go to 678 in Atlanta. 
Are you there? Can you hear me? Six, seven, eight. Atlanta. Let's go to seven one eight, New York City. Seven one eight. Greetings, brothers. This is Brother Maurice. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm enjoying the program. I salute you, brother, brother Richard. Uh, and I, I, we should be calling this brother Professor because he's really laying down some science. Um, but, but one of the things that I do want to kind of mention because uh, I think it's important and stuff is I was looking at you know, the situation that's been going on around this country, and I listened to the brother talk about the science that deals with what's going on with our bodies. But the one thing I think there's a disconnect is that you have black people and where they live also affects their body. Uh, no one mentioned, mentioned, for example, in Detroit, where this just in July, there was massive flooding in, in the black community or whatever. And this whole idea of climate change and how that is affecting their health. We're not talking about Cabrini Green. We're not talking about the bus stations in Harlem. There's environmental racism that's also playing into the fact of black health. When they had a 2017 study that came out, they talked about 75% of, of black people live in a, in a, a toxic environment. So all of these things affect our health. Not to say that the, but the brother's laying on you is, is actual science, and I believe what, he, what he's saying. But I want people to also understand that in the environments that we live in also impact our health. Because mm-hmm. like the brother said, I could go outside and walk, walk a whole bunch of miles, but guess what? When they put a bus depot in your area and the asthma rates go up, because you, when you're outside walking around, just going to the store, Okay. Or if, or if you look at the documentary where people forgot about um, Mossville, where it was a documentary that was done where it says the great tree, where the great trees fall, a, a black community that was created, black people that freed, got free, they were enslaved and became free, created a, a, a community, and then you had this chemical company which was based in South Africa come and destroy the community. You look it up, it's free online, Mossville, where the great trees fall. And they they sued and they fought or whatever. So there's there's other things besides injections that's killing us, and we need to be cognizant of that. We mm-hmm. need, and, and and the other thing I do want to say is this, brothers. I was guilty of it. This show is a great show. Mm-hmm. And in order for 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 Elliot and Richard to continually bring on brilliant guests like we have today, we need to be supporting the show. Part of developing critical thinking skills and understanding how we control and move forward in our life is that we have to have forms like time for the awakening, talking about this stuff. So all these people saying all these good things is wonderful, but guess what? We need money also. We need you to get online right now. Make a donation. I don't care if it's five, ten, fifteen, twenty-five, fifty dollars, and I'm going to make a donation myself again because I believe in these brothers and stuff. We need to be supporting them. And you also need to be going to this brother's website and, 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 and buying those books. Because the one thing that, that, that uh, this brother said, the loneliest thing, we said it on my show, the loneliest thing is when you find out when you're out here fighting for your people, it's a lonely battle. It's a lonely battle. And we cannot expect people to continually doing the type of work, the type of scholarship that this brother is presenting without supporting him. Everybody should be at his website tonight buying something, supporting his brother. It frustrates me after 23 years of me doing this despite in the community. 
which was a which was a, I was in charge by my mother and my father that said, please do not get a degree and come back to the community. So we if you don't know who I am, I created a show called Black Men Screaming, mm-hmm. and that's part of what we do. We are out here screaming, right? Because I I, I had a newspaper try to interview me, and I said it's the, the show's not about me. It's about it's about the, the brothers in the community that come on. But I asked them a they asked me a question. And I said, well, common sense will tell you why would a person scream? This brother, with, with the books that he's putting out and information that Elliot and Richard are putting out, is we're screaming, y'all. We're screaming for what? Do, what do people do when they scream? They scream for what purpose? To be heard. And in order to keep these things going, you need to be supporting that. Okay. So I don't want to take up too much of your time. I I I I, I was really motivated to call in because again. I love the the show. I love the work. I love I love what they're doing, and I also um want to want to say one other thing, brother. Before before I get off, I use the cable access system to to um to go out and produce my show to get it around the country. Mm-hmm. The cable access network, if, if people really don't understand that, it was an agreement made in the 1970s that when the cable companies got access to the airways, which is publicly owned, okay that they will provide cable access to people that you could, so you could go and produce your own program. Since there wasn't a forum for, for where black men could get together and talk about these issues on cable access, I created that 23 years ago. Awesome. And I've and been fighting and could keep up the good fight since then, but we're trying to expand the program, okay, with, with other areas, right? I'm on in like maybe six different cities, but part of the problem is because I don't live in those cities, you have to be locally sponsored by a person or somebody. And when I say that, this you just meaning you put an application in saying I want to be a playback producer, and then I will I will um, sponsor the show that way. It doesn't cost you anything, and if there's any fees and stuff that's involved, we will work with you to take care of that so nothing comes out of your pocket. But I'm asking for your help also tonight to help Black Men Scream It expand. We're looking to get back on in Chicago, and Hartford, and Baltimore. Um, and and um, I just finished, uh, Elliot knows that I just had a battle going on with San Francisco. Well, when we started talking about some of this vaccine stuff, my show got taken off of the air, was missing for two weeks or whatever, and I just finished battling with them to get my show back on the air, okay? So when we start talking about, and I told this brother, I said, and they can do that because mm-hmm. I'm not in those areas, and, and I need a person in that area to say I'm willing to sponsor the show. So I'm yeah, let me asking, ask you this. Let me say this, but go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. Well, uh, much of what I do is media, international media. Um, we're just expanding quite significantly getting these partnerships on the African continent. Are you doing anything that's pan-African centered? And are you, are you pushing your program in other markets other than the U.S.? I, I will tell you that I, 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 came, I, I was offered a, a contract, and this is real talk, to do stuff in Europe and Africa. But the numbers wasn't right, and the way the money was going to be calculated was funny. And they wouldn't also give me what they call a non-compete clause or whatever. Otherwise, they'd give me a two-year or three-year contract, and the next thing I know, they got somebody producing the same show if they don't expand my content, doing the same content I have, right? So I said, I don't want that. Then the other issue was how the money gets broken down, because I don't know if people understand about contracts. Ellie, you know about this, when how they rate things or whatever, and who controls that. That's a funny thing. So I didn't like it, the way they had this stuff set up. Uh, I was working with some brothers and sisters that are actually doing some stuff in Africa. 
But I'm I'm trying to make sure that we lock down the stuff here. I'm trying to make sure we're on in communities where black people exist at. And this is something that your taxes are paid for. Mm-hmm. These, okay. this, these, this, so you need to be utilizing it. I mean, it's, it's beautiful the stuff you're talking about here, but let's talk about what the blood, sweat, and tears of the people. That, you know, every day you go to work and you're paying taxes, and this is your stuff. So you can help. Okay, you can help if you want to. If you want to be a part of this journey, right? If you want to be a part of, of of structuring media to represent black people in a way that you know black people are, right? That have dignity, that have respect, then you should be joining me on Black Men's Queen. Mm-hmm. All right, and go- is there? Any question yeah. that you might want to relate to our subject matter that we're talking about today? Because I'm, I'm a little, uh, I do a lot of media and sometimes I'm a little hesitant when we stray so far from our central topic that people tuning in don't even know what we're talking about. Yeah, well, I apologize, brother, because I'm, I'm passionate about this and whatever. And I told Elliot I was going to call in to discuss this issue. As I said before, I think all of the information that you put out there is excellent. I also want to make sure that people support what you're doing and support what Elliot is doing. So, again, let me just say this, and I'm, I will get off the line. Brothers I'm, brothers and sisters are out there. I'm asking you to fight the fight with me. You know, stand up, speak up, scream if you have to. But you can give me a call if you're interested in participating and joining us, at, and, and, and um, we will give out the information. I'm not going to do it over the air at this point. But, but um, I think, again, brother, I want to keep encouraging you, and please, everybody, go to the website and invest in this brother and stuff. And make sure you invest in time for awakening. I'm getting off now, brother. God bless. <laughs> Thank you for your call, brother Maurice. Let's go to, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's go to six four six six four six. Good evening, brother Richard, brother Elliot, and brother Kitty. Um, just three quick questions. Number one, I've known this in regards to the whole vaccination and the virus, and, and I wonder what your observation is, Kitty. Why isn't no one talking about a cure for the virus? It seems like all that they're doing is pushing this um, vaccination that, you know, I know most of the people who listening to the program is against. Number two, why aren't they reporting that people that are taking the vaccination are dying? And it seems kind of crazy to me that here it is, you offer a vaccination that's supposed to basically just do one thing, prevent you from dying if you catch the virus. That to me is a little kind of twisted. And thirdly, I'm wondering, is there any way that brothers like yourself, Kitty, and others like yourself who are doing the work could do two things, come together and put forward an alternative on how to deal with the virus, a protocol on what simply people could do to help prevent from getting the virus, and lastly, set up some sort of forum to where, as you could debate, these doctors and other individuals who are pushing the virus on our community, because I know, 
and I've witnessed most of the times whenever you are in a debate with any of these medical um, practitioners, doctors, or whatever, you usually, I'm sorry to say it, but in all honesty, you usually beat up on them in a tactful and precise and concise way to whereas anybody that has any sort of capacity to deal with reasonable thinking usually gets it. And and I think that's, those things are what we're really missing. But I, I really would like your perspective on um, why aren't they not talking about a cure for the um, virus like they do about most all diseases? Mm-hmm. Oh, you answer, ask four different questions. I'll take them all real quickly. As Thank, few thanks for your call, bro. Um, first of all, why are they not dealing with a cure for the virus? Yeah, there are viruses don't have cures. Your body deals with what are called a virus. It really comes down to the question of what is a virus? You've heard dialogues, we kill the virus, kills the virus, kills viruses. A virus is not even alive. Virus does not have enough structural material to 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 engage in one of the seven uh, acts that define a living entity. So viruses are not alive. So curing a virus, what is a virus? Is a virus an exosome? And doesn't your body create 300 million exosomes a minute? So we we have to understand that there is no curing the virus. It's just not going to happen. They did talk about remdesivir as a antiviral therapy. HIV and AIDS has produced a spectrum of antiviral therapies. The problem is, is all of them have the same side effects. They kill cells and they stop the replication of cells. Number two question, you talked about vaxxed people dying. And early on, I I put these numbers on the table because I deal a lot with um, statistics and statistical analysis. When you are talking about injecting 20, 30 million people with with the course of this, um, in the first month, I think some 25 million people, I think, were in, injected in the United States with the COVID vaccine. And I might be wrong with those numbers, but I calculated. Of all causes of death in a nation, if you're talking about 100,000 people, then 8.82 or 8.2 of 100,000 people are expected to die from all causes in any given year out of 100,000. So when you project that number down to to 25 million, that's 2,500 thousands, then then be 25 times that. You would expect of the people dying and a certain percentage of people getting the vaccine, a number of them are going to die, especially when they were targeting elderly people or people who are already suffering from one or more recurrent diseases. So the idea of people dying from the vaccines it's not so straightforward, cut, cut and dried like a lot of people want to put it. There's a lot of different factors that go into this. How elderly was the person? Did they already have concurrent diseases and disorders? How many of them? Did they have metabolic syndrome? Was their death a consequence of an immune industry, uh, an, an immune injury, which would be concomitant with vaccines? And so these numbers are hard to come by. We can look at trends and patterns, but there are all these other mitigating factors. Your third question, alternative protocol for prevention. I put mine out within a month. 
And mine was so simple, so simple. And I'll give it, I give it away, no problem. I'm not going to charge you. It's only three things. You get you a juicer, you take one apple, you take a piece of ginger, fresh ginger about the size of two fingers, and you take a bunch of fresh, preferably organic greens, run them all through your juicer. We call it the Vortex. The Vortex is not only prevents nearly all occurrence of acute inflammatory condition, but in other side conditions, because it increases the oxygen carrying capacity of your blood so high, even if women are going through terrible symptoms of their monthly moon cycle, the vortex will relieve those symptoms in 10 minutes and they won't come back for the rest of the month. I've proven that again, again, and again. I had one brother, he took the vortex. The next day, his high blood pressure systolic dropped by, I think it was 29 points in 16 hours, and it continued to drop for the next three days. So when we talk about alternative protocols, there have been a number of them put out, and many of them put out long before this thing was even brought together. The the president of Madagascar, the president of Tanzania, both came up with wonderful herbal solutions that they gave to their people. Unfortunately, the president of Tanzania, His Excellency John Magufuli, John Pembe Magufuli, died in a very strange way because he was so outspoken against the World Health Organization's COVAX program. And the last question, you talked about a forum to debate those who want to push this. As you saw my debate with this epidemiologist from the state of California, they are not going to come out from behind those protective walls and debate us. It's just not going to happen. If they do, if there is any debate, then most of the debates I am having come from what I call African-centered idiots who just want to get on a stage and I will debate you, Brother Kitty, on that. I'll debate you. And and one time I, I volunteered to get on a stage with an idiot. The next time it was a trick and they put an idiot in the, in the other <laughs> opposing camp. And then the second time I just said, I am not here to debate this person. I'm not even really going to acknowledge anything they say because it's not in the same category, uh, category or league of what I present was information. But quite simply, Doctors who can cite peer review articles and these other type of things whose credibility is on the line, they are not going to come out and debate. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Brother Katie, uh, we're coming up on the end of the, the uh, our program. Um, At the I'm, end of the program, we just started. Why don't we just start all over again? Let's do it one more time. Let's see. Now, here you go. <laughs> Listen, I want to get you back on because the conversation about what's going on on the continent and yes. are we prepared to deal with this as a people mm. is a complex topic in itself. Uh, so important. And, and I know that you're there uh, and you, you have seen a lot of things that's going on there medically that you can share mm-hmm. with the audience. I'm going to reach back out to you maybe within the next couple of weeks and we can continue this dialogue, get you back on and, uh, and continue things further. Man, I get so excited when I'm on with you, brothers. You do a great, great job of captaining this ship, captaining this ship. Can, can I ask, ahead, um, you had mentioned about the sustainability, you know, the project program and in relationship to, the, um, you know, Pan-African um, business. Um, and did you mention a book that you also, that develops this sustainability um, mm-hmm. program vision? And what's the title of that? I have 11 books now on Pan-African Sustainability. The 12th book is almost ready to come out. And I am saying very clearly 
African-Americans, you have no future unless you build the bridges to the continent. Quite simply, our fertility in America crashed from 1975 <laughs> to 2020 at the current at the current level of the still decline in fertility. We're not even going to survive beyond another 45 years. Not I, I stand by that. I have all the numbers to prove exactly what I'm saying. So we have to be building these bridges. I picked Uganda because it's the second youngest nation in the world. And Uganda and Niger, by being so young, they have all of the chances to build a brilliant future. One of the other reasons I like Uganda, because the entire nation is a black fertile garden. I mean, you can grow anything anywhere in Uganda. It sits right on the equator and the temperatures are cool. Lots of rainfall. Uganda can feed more than double its current population of 40.5 million people. It can feed everybody in the entirety of the East African community. And so um, among the books I'm going to highly recommend, there's one I wrote on reparations, and that includes reconnecting with our global population. It's called The Repairing. The next book I'm going to recommend, actually one that came out before that, called Africa Rising. Dawn is breaking over Africa. Then there is the book Futuronomics, Positioning Your Enterprise to Win in the New Global Economy. Since then, we have the new Scramble for Africa. And the big book that has really made a couple of big change, two books. One, Industrial Hemp, Uses and Opportunities, has secured us a 500-acre um, plot in Nurkumasi, Ghana, for building what will be essentially a hemp-based echo village. And then the most recent book has been undeniably the most powerful book that I have written insofar as significant policy changes and attention from people who are in high places. It's called The Blackest Soil. Africa Can Feed the World, a scientific roadmap for agricultural preeminence for the 21st century. Oh, thank you for that. And all of these are at keidi.biz, kidi.biz. Brother Kitty, before you go, um, just one question. Uh, what do you recommend uh, for some of our people that are on these jobs that are being told that you're going to take the shot or else? Uh, the new book, the new release of Outrage. I, I, the original laws that I cited for refusing to experiment, experimental um, human experimentation you have the Nuremberg Code. You have the Helsinki Accord. These are old laws. There are four guidelines within the U.S. Uh, National Institutes of Health saying that you do not have to volunteer for uh, uh, human experimentation. And it set guidelines on uh, informing informed consent. So I'd say use the law. There's a tremendous amount of lawsuits that are already starting to fill up the courts that the media is not telling us how many lawsuits against the Centers for Disease Control, these vaccine manufacturers are actually going down. It's really quite overwhelming. And if you don't want to do it, you make that decision in your mind and watch your creativity and your willpower and everything else turn on. But I myself, I just cite the laws. Well, uh, you know, we can see in, 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 uh, from what you're saying that this is basically just scare tactics with people telling them that they're going to do this and, and see, mm -hmm. you know, see how many people that they can get to do it. But yeah, uh, this is more than this is more than scare tactics. This is a showdown. Okay. It's a historic showdown on this planet between the anti-population growth forces versus the natural evolution of human society. Mm -hmm. This is really about 
population control. They're trying to keep the planet's population from crossing the 8 billion mark. We're already at 7.8 billion now. I had accurately predicted that this is going to last the entire decade, and they are really trying to check population growth on this planet by any means necessary. Wow. Brother Keedy, thanks for being with us, and I'll talk to you soon. And, and listen, Thank give out sure. that website again about the books. Just go okay. K-E-I-D-I dot biz, just five letters. You can always just look up my name and say books, they'll come right up. Also, Jeff Bezos sells them, but somebody said Jeff Bezos was already making too much money when he made something like, was it, $8.4 billion in one day while the rest of us are suffering? <laughs> well, well do, do you think that, uh, what's his name, the, the, the crying guy, he, he going to give any, uh, he going to look in your, your way as far as the 180 $880 million that he got? Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe we better make our own plan. <laughs> brother Keedy, talk, talk, talk to you soon. I'm so grateful for you, brothers. Peace. Take care. Richard. Yes, yes. <laughs> Listen, before we leave this evening, man, um, I just want to share this with the listening audience. Give me, give me a few minutes too, Richard. Bear with me, uh, because you know um, that clip I may uh, play when uh, Minister Farrakhan talks about um, that uh, that the elected officials, our elected officials, are supposed to be watching with a political eye, being watchdogs and watchmen for the people that voted for them. And you find that all of these black representatives uh, have persuaded a lot of black clergy and uh, black social groups to admonish the black public to get a vaccine. When all of the stats show, and even the CDC stats show, that the majority of black people I think it's 50% of this nation uh, is not vaccinated, but I'm not concerned about other folks, that the majority of black people are not vaccinated with these gene therapies, as uh, Brother Keedy stated. But, you know, let me read to you in brief why. The pharmaceutical industry, and then this is two published reports I'm going to read from. One is from The Hill. Pharmaceutical industry donated two-thirds, uh, have donated to two-thirds of Congress ahead of the 2020 elections. More than two-thirds of Congress members cast a check uh, from the pharmaceutical industries uh, ahead of the 2020 elections, according to the analysis from STAT. Pfizer which played a big role in the creation of the distribution of COVID-19 vaccine, led the way with money donated to 228 members of Congress in 2020 and also written checks to uh, 1,048 candidates in state legislative races. Meanwhile, Amgen, or Amgen which is based in California, uh, donated uh, millions to 218 members of Congress. Uh, lawmakers who received the highest amounts. Uh, now, they have some uh, white lawmakers here that have received the highest amounts. Now, Richard, I went to the site Open Secrets, 
and it talks about the pharmaceutical industry. Now, it mentioned that the members of Congress, the Democrats, have averaged the ones that, that said they they received donations have averaged uh, thirty thousand. Uh, $30,000 on average, a check. That's on average. But, you know, some of them have received more than others. Um, they've averaged an average of $38,138 a check. But let me give to you some of the top donors, and you still uh, here. Yes. Okay. Um, I'll just read the senators that are black. And then you'll see why uh, information is not coming out, a full spectrum of information to give to our people. Uh, Tim Scott, uh, you got four black senators. One of them is the vice president. I'll just read you the four that were senators, uh, and one is presently a senator, because these stats come from 2020. Tim Scott received $117,870. Uh, from Big Pharma during the 2020 uh, year. Cory Booker, $122,985. Kamala Harris, $236,408. And Raphael Warnock received, according to these reports, uh, $765,000. He just got in, didn't he? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, now... Let me read some of the other Democratic members and the money that they have received because the published report said uh, 228 members of Congress received cash checks from Big Pharma and the average check among all of the ones that had received money was $38,000. I'll read you some of the top ones that was over 38000 and I'm just dealing with the black representatives. James Clyburn, $133,573. Terry Sewell of Alabama, $116,630. Lisa Blunt Rochester of Delaware, $106,895. C.K. Butterfield of North Carolina, $106,800. Bonnie Coleman Watson, Democrat from New Jersey, $72,805. Cedric Richmond of Louisiana, $47,300. Karen Bass of California, $42,590. Benny Thompson of Mississippi, $36,500. Now, I've read Benny Thompson. He's a little below the average Hmm. of $38,000. But that just shows, that's an example. Now, I didn't read all the rest of them, including the representative here, uh, Evans, because they all Hmm. receive money. But that just shows you why these people are not, and that's just on the issue from these pharmaceutical companies. It's a lot of other donations going on and gifts, financial gifts given to these people from so-called special interest groups. But that just shows you why they're not saying anything but promoting these quote unquote vaccines because they're getting paid by these companies. Yeah, I mean, that's and cashing big checks. When have your representatives told you, oh, listen, Pfizer have given me $36,000 in the check. Do they tell you any of this? But they tell you all this bullshit about voting for them, pulling this lever, vote like your life depends on it. Your ancestors died for this right. 
Our ancestors didn't die to be fools for this man or anybody else. That's in the voting process, taking shots in your arm. We just talked about tonight, about what the CDC, the stuff they've been doing over the past 30 years, with shot, uh, put, uh, injecting children in Los Angeles without uh, uh, um, parents' permission. The CDC mm. doing this stuff that's causing autism in black children, <clears throat> black children, and then now this stuff that you might not see the repercussions of it for maybe two, three years down the line, possibly. So, I, you know, I just wanted to read that in reference to these elected officials because some people, they, you know, if they don't hear the quote-unquote representative saying anything about it but positive things, then they go along with it because they might not be doing much research. They'll just listen to what they're told and just react and do it. But these people are cashing big checks. And some of our people are cashing no checks or in-between jobs or hoping that they can get another job, or their job is telling them, get a shot in your arm, or you won't have a job. These people don't have to worry about that. Mm. Yeah, I just wanted to make mention of that before we kind of wind things down. Richard, I think it was an interesting discussion, some of the information that uh, that, uh, Brother Keaty brought to the table, and that just goes along with some of the other information that we've uh, talked about in this uh, series of folks that have come on under that ban of COVID-19, the vaccine in black America. So, uh, and, and, and I hope, I hope the listening audience and, and those who listen to the podcast later really hear, um, and I'm emphasizing this one string, the importance of us being, um, you know, literate in this scientific development. I mean, just not, it's not, um, adjust what's happening to us. We have to follow this stuff because this in every area of our life. So even w- w- when we talk, when we're talking about food, you got to make the distinction of the technologically developed food versus what is natural. Um, when it gets into healthcare or even vaccines, what is technologically developed mRNA, you know, and what is natural. These things require us to be able to have it as you know we're trying to do here a common conversation so that we can reinforce what is necessary to do to prevent with um I'm hoping I'm hoping brother uh Akiti uh, um prediction um turns out not to be true he said what was it 2050 2053 mm-hmm. right yep i mean that, that that's you know like this ain't no you know like i can get by it if if this is a sociological reality we have to be in strategic defensive mode other than that we just leave we we open to be to be killed to be slaughtered heard it heard it like those animals that used to be going in chicago and philadelphia the cows and whatever the with the slaughterhouses mm-hmm. that's 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 the imagery that comes to my mind and only by being informed. And that's why this series was, uh, seems to be, and you know, you're, you making it um, important for us to be able to get these different voices, um, these different learned people in to explain to us at least what are we looking at and the choice that we have to make. 
Richard, before we go, let me ask you a question. I'm just curious because um, they've been already stating now that you're going to need some type of booster shot Mm. and probably yearly boosters. Now, this is a capitalist society. Everything is all about the dollar and profits. Now, you can look up and see how much money the government has spent with these, at least these three pharmaceutical companies of developing this vaccine and paying for it. So they're going to continue to keep doing that to give you a free shot in your arm, especially black folks. I mean, how's that going to work? No, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. It's like a drug. Yeah, I don't understand some of our people's thinking. Like a drug. They get you hope and you hope. Because the medical system ain't going to change. Yeah, exactly. And it's all about profits. It's yeah. not about prevention. It's all about profits and managing care. That's what this That's what this European, this Western system of medicine is about. It's not about curing diseases necessarily. It's about managing your care, keeping you coming back. And if, if what Brother Keating was saying, what he ended with, if it's about population control, and one side wants to decrease it and another side wants to increase it, the battle is, you know, that's where the battle is. The more people, the more that they, the care that has to be presented, the more that they can get people hooked, the more money can be made. The less people, the less money that can be made. So if that's the battle, it ain't even about sustainability of the, the ecosystem. It ain't even about whether the human, you know, you and I'm concerned with, you know, that's why I'm asking us to be scientists because they're retrofitting the planet right in front of us. What we eat, what we drink, what what, what we consider natural environment, these all things are being construct engineered. That you know, it's 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 no natural space. Yeah, by by these same folks that consider themselves the god of this planet, and that's a reality. They might not want to think some black folks think that oh, you can't say that, or oh, that's not right. These Europeans consider themselves the god of this planet. When you pray on your knees to God, you're praying to them. That's how they consider it. I ain't saying that that's true for our people and the way they're thinking or the way they're supposed to be thinking. I'm thinking, I mean, I'm telling you the way they want you to think. And CRISPR-9 and and cryogenics, all of those is a part of the tool for that. Listen, before we leave the program this evening, just give the lineup on time for an awakening media, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, African Perspectives with Brother Oshie. Always interesting dialogue and topics on African perspectives. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Later on, Monday evenings from 8 to 9, Black Therapy Central with host Dr. Maria Kambon and Dr. Kamal Kambon. And then 9 to 10 later on, Monday evenings, Conversation Reparations and Cobra's program is uh, first and third Monday of every month on Tuesday from 8 to 10, Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers. 
Friday Time for an Awakening is back. Oh, Wednesday. I'm sorry. It's our time. The West Georgia Cooperatives of Black Farmers Program is Wednesday from 8 to 9. Friday Time for an Awakening is back from 8 until Saturday. The elders of Sankofa from Saturday, uh, from 7 to 9 Saturday evening. And then Sunday evenings from 7 until Time for an Awakening is back. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion, as always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon, Children playing after school. They seem to be so unaware. Oh, I know, I know the things that they'll soon have to take care of.
Children to save the children to save the children.